0: Welcome to the Peterson's Bowhunting Podcast. All bow hunting, all the time. Now, here are your hosts, editor Christian Berg and associate editor, Mark Demko.
1: All right, welcome back to the Bowhunting Podcast. We are all bow hunting, all the time. And uh, today is our New Year's, end of year spectacular, right, Mr. Demko?
0: Yeah, absolutely. You know, we're, uh, moving through the holiday season, it's actually an exciting time of year. Uh, you can think back on all the great times you spent with family and friends during the year, but you're already starting to look forward to all the new gear and equipment coming out in 2023.
1: Absolutely, and uh, you know it's the week between Christmas and New Year. So we're recording this just before Christmas. It's going to air right after Christmas. Everybody's a little bit preoccupied with. All of the hustle and bustle of the season, the family plans, taking a break, maybe just for a, a brief time uh, from bow hunting uh, to spend that family time. And then, of course, late seasons in a lot of places, including for you and I here in Pennsylvania, start up December 26. So for guys like me who are still holding a tag, it's not over quite yet. There's still hope.
0: Absolutely. And, and actually, there can be some really, really good hunting opportunities especially if you have a, a buck pattern or key on some food sources even in pennsylvania where we all both know hunting pressure can be pretty high uh, you could still have some great opportunities
1: yeah so so we're going to talk a little bit about our 2022 hunting seasons and uh then we're going to talk a little bit about an ata show preview and maybe tease uh, some of the new products and all the great coverage that we're going to have coming up in january and then we're going to uh, dangle a few uh, golden nuggets about some exciting things on the horizon for 2023. But before we dive into all that stuff, Mark, don't you think it's appropriate to thank all of our listeners and viewers for helping us grow so much? 2022 was really an exciting year for the hunting Podcast.
0: You know, absolutely. As we went through the year, um, continue to see the interest in the podcast grow. And um, it's really the guests who make it such a great program. Uh, We're able to have so many different people on from uh, some of the great um, product manufacturers to well-known personalities in the bow hunting world. And I'll say one of my favorite things is talking to um, men and women across the country of all ages who just have some great experiences and stories that they're excited to share um one comes to my mind uh, his name was nolan johnson he's 21 years old shot a a big mule deer in in california and you know it's great to see the the younger people really getting excited and into bow hunting Uh, he was just so enthusiastic about being on the podcast but it's really all about the people you meet the stories you get to share
1: yeah and it's just a great it's a great way to connect with different folks you know because my guess You know, there's no way to know for sure, but my guess is that so many of the folks who download the podcast every week don't necessarily, you know, subscribe to the magazine, although we surely wish you would, and we hope you're spending some time on the website at bowhuntingmag.com as well, But, but this is just another way to touch folks, and it's been gratifying. You know, we more than doubled our you know, audience this past year. And it was great to see uh, as we come towards the end of the year, you know, getting up close to 20,000 downloads uh, each month and and looking forward to the continued growth as we head into next year. And, you know, it's going to be exciting because I think we're going to continue to grow. And I think that the word is going to continue to spread. And I'm feeling like, you know, the ink maybe isn't quite dry yet, Mark, but I think it's looking good to have a really nice sponsor coming on board, and and I'm looking forward to being able to spill the beans on that maybe next month, because that's going to open up some exciting possibilities for things that we can do uh, going forward with the show.
0: Yeah, absolutely. It's very exciting, and, and as you said, we're really focused on um, growing the podcast, providing information and entertainment for our listeners and i think this uh partner that's going to come on board is going to give us some great opportunities to continue to expand our reach and our bandwidth And so it's a very exciting time we're at right now
1: yeah so you know i don't want to spend too much time on this like i hope people don't feel like we're patting ourselves on the back it's really it's really all the folks who are listening that are responsible for whatever success we have i will just ask one quick favor though if you like the show you know tell some friends about it and if you haven't left a review for the show well mark and i would really appreciate it if whether you're on apple podcasts or google podcasts or stitcher or wherever spotify wherever you listen to the show if you could leave a review because we've been doing this podcast for a long time at peterson's Bowhunting. we go back probably 10 years in podcasting but really not in the current format we switched to this bow hunting podcast format uh about two years ago and um you know we've really upped our game I think since we did that mark and you know some of the old reviews that are out there yeah, we we had some growing pains back in the day but we've been kind of on a roll and uh yeah we, it would be great if, if if folks would would drop a couple fresh reviews and Um, With that, my friend, I'm going to turn it over to you for a hunting story because you accomplished something this past fall that is not an everyday occurrence for you, and that's taking uh, a Pennsylvania buck right on your own property, which is just a little, uh, I don't want to say postage stamp, but it's seven acres, so it's not exactly a, a private shooting preserve, Mark, but you managed to get it done.
0: Yeah, um, I was pretty excited. Uh, you now, every year, I, I'd say a lot about hunters set goals, whether it's be to get a certain class of buck or um, to you know, get on some new properties or whatever. My personal goal is to take a, uh, a buck at the house. And uh, that sounds like it's not that ambitious, but I have only four acres of woods on my property. And there's a road on one side, and an open farm field on the other. So it's quite challenging to hunt the property. And there's very few days I can hunt because the wind has to be coming from a certain direction based on the way the deer travel. And so, um, long story short, it's only the, I've lived here 13 years and so the second buck I've taken out of my house and 13 years of hunting. Uh, so believe it or not, I was uber excited. You know, um, it, it, it's something when I live in Southeastern Pennsylvania here and, uh, all the hunting properties I've had over the years, have either been sold or bought up for housing development. So when my wife and I had the opportunity, we bought this house cause I had a couple acres with it and, um over the years um uh, i've seen a couple decent bucks just haven't had a chance at them most of the years my, my tag goes unfilled well this year i was very fortunate um to to get a deer and overall i think when you look back i had a decent hunting season i i uh took a, a pronghorn in wyoming um with crazy horn outfitters that was exciting because i hunted with a woman guide and her name was Chantaine. really knew her stuff incredible incredible experience my first time out west um, uh, and then I had a chance to do some moose hunting up in Newfoundland in September, and that's a, a crazy story for another day, but it was a great fall. How about you?
1: Well, I also, I don't, you know, enough about me, but more about you. <laughs> cause, cause I think that, uh, I'm not done pumping your tires. Didn't you shoot a doe at the house too? Yeah. It's
0: the first time I've ever taken two deer on my property in the same year. And, so uh, like I said, that, 13 that, seasons
1: yeah that's pretty awesome you know and you talked about you know only getting two bucks i don't want people to think that those are the only two bucks that you've killed in the last 13 years you're you're modest but the truth is you have um you've killed quite a few deer over that time span and actually you've been a bit of a a late season aficionado you've got a spot for whatever reason maybe you know what the reason is i don't because i've never hunted there but you've got a spot um where you've had some consistent success uh, in the, the late archery
0: season. Yeah, I have a um, couple spots, actually, that are archery only. One's a bigger property. Now in Pennsylvania, that's it's like 150 acres. And one's a smaller parcel. It's only six acres. But they're both good in the late season because they don't see a lot of hunter pressure on that property or surrounding properties. And, uh, I had been very fortunate to be able to go out and have some success with archery gear uh, in December. Uh, beginning of January, I find that uh, that week after New Year's is, is an incredibly good time. You know, We always think of the, uh, the secondary rut or the, in, in December, but for some reason, that first week in January in Pennsylvania, if you hunt areas aren't pressured off, it's incredibly good for hunting.
1: Well, that's really interesting. I, I'm notoriously um, not fond of the cold, so I tend to not do a whole lot of late season hunting. And I've also, I guess, been fortunate to have more than my fair share of good luck over the years on big bucks. Um, You know, of course, working in the industry and being the editor here doesn't hurt with getting opportunities and being able to travel to some good areas, but that's still not a guarantee. But, you know, I've had some really good years and I've managed to kill some really nice, uh, even a handful of world-class bucks over the years. So I haven't had to do a lot of late season hunting but unfortunately for me that's not the case this year Mark cuz I I've had uh I'd say hands down it was the most challenging archery season uh since I took the job here at Peterson's bow hunting uh, back in 2008. So you know prior to that uh you know what it's like living here in eastern Pennsylvania it's it's up and down, it's highs and lows, it's hit and miss, a lot more miss than hit when it comes to luck and, and finding a good buck. But um, you know, since I started this job and had a chance to typically take at least two or three good, you know, hunting trips every year. Um, this has been one of my more challenges. There's no doubt about it. I, I hunted Whitetails uh starting uh opening weekend in Kentucky in early September. Uh Never saw a shooter on that trip. Um, later in September, I went out to Montana for a a combo elk and whitetail hunt with J and J Guide Service. And elk hunt was tough. It was warm. They weren't bugling that much. uh Activity was extremely limited to like forty five minutes in the morning and maybe twenty to thirty minutes in the afternoon. Now that said. I actually did get within bow range of one bull that actually would probably score over four hundred inches. was absolutely astounding, but never had uh, a shot. And, and then another three fifty class bull, probably, but never had a shot. Actually, got drawn on the second bull, but he he by the time I managed to get into position and and range him. He walked away just as I was drawing the bow, so that was okay, you know, decent hunt, but but you didn't punch the tag, but that's elk hunting. I mean, archery elk hunting is tough everywhere, even if you're in a great area like J and J has, that's never a guarantee. Um, so that was what it was, not the end of the world by any means. And then then the plan was to stay out there and hunt some whitetails after the elk hunt. Anyway, I had gone out there with John Silks, our gear editor, and uh, I had had a nice DIY deer hunt out in that same area a couple of years back. And it was absolutely filthy with whitetails. And unfortunately, uh, in 2021, they had a severe, horrific EHD outbreak in the area. And so all of the areas where I had had success uh, in scouting and seeing deer and ultimately harvesting a really nice buck uh, in 2020, I thought we would be able to go back to those areas and you know get on some deer in pretty short order and not only i mean it was actually there weren't not only were there not really any deer there there was hardly any deer sign i mean places where i was bumping dozens of deer out uh like along the creeks and things like that in 2020 I wasn't even finding any scat or beds or rubs or anything in 2022. So that was downright depressing. And we ended up cutting the deer portion of the trip short and just heading home. Uh, So that was kind of a letdown. And then, uh, so where do we go from Montana? After Montana, I hunted here at home, uh, you know, in through October and had a couple decent bucks on camera, actually had a pretty nice buck in bow range one morning but again same old story couldn't quite get a clear shot and then it was time to head to kansas in early november i went out to kansas and i hunted with uh, my old friend tevis mcpauley who is the outfitter at Whitetail heaven he's based down out of kentucky but over the years they've expanded all over the country they've got camps in ohio and indiana and florida and uh, now in Kentucky, they've got quite a bit of ground leased, and they have two different camps uh, in sorry, Kansas, I meant to say. And uh, in Kansas and uh, Eastern Kansas and in central Kansas, they have camps. And I hunted in their Eastern Kansas camp, and I was hunting a great farm. And it was like deja vu all over again, Mark. I ran into another hot week. Those 75, 80 degree weeks in early November will kill you.'ve I've been there a couple other times over the last 15 years, and there's nothing, honestly, there's nothing more disappointing for me as a deer hunter, because whitetails are my first love, you know, I mean, I like it all, Um, you know, elk, pronghorn, mule deer, bears, you know, you name it, I'll hunt it, but whitetails are my bread and butter, there's nothing worse than knowing that you waited all year, and you, I mean, I really do look forward to that being somewhere in the midwest there in early november and and to be sitting there on a great farm tons of sign you know the trails are beaten down to a rut there's rubs everywhere you know the deer are there there's pictures of nice bucks you know at two o'clock in the morning and you're sitting there all day and and there's literally nothing moving
0: yeah and you know unfortunately that seems to be becoming more and more common the past few years uh the midwest uh here in the east coast Uh, we've had those warm spells at the beginning in november and it it does make it tough uh you do the best you can you work around it sometimes when you only have three four days to hunt and you're up against it it gets challenging uh, well uh, I
1: i actually extended that trip i ended up hunting like eight or nine days and eventually i just had to come home um and i actually stopped in ohio i was supposed to have more time because those deer in Kansas were, were supposed to cooperate and Mother Nature was supposed to cooperate. Then I was out with, with our buddy Clint Casper um, hunting in Ohio, but I only had one day really to hunt there because I had to get back home for a family event. And uh, so that didn't work out either. And then, of course, uh, I had a few days left here and didn't manage to get it done. Really the highlight of my fall, I did take my son Timmy back out over there to Ohio for the youth gun season. And he shot a really nice uh, eight-point buck that's about 23 inches wide. And it was his best buck by far. So honestly, with all the bad luck I had, uh, Timmy's deer and just spending that weekend with him, you know, in the woods, kind of made my fall. It was the bright spot, the very notable bright spot in an otherwise sort of bleak,
0: bleak year. Yeah, and, and that's wonderful to be able to spend time with your son. And really, that's what it's all about, time with the family, time with the kids. And for you, you might have a couple of days where you can sneak out and still pull the bow back here at the end of December or January.
1: Well, you piqued my interest with your first week of January tip. So, yeah, I think I'm going to have to get out because, honestly, next week when this show uh, is published, I'm going to be out of town visiting family between Christmas and New Year's. So i won't have time those first four or five days of the late season but first week of january i probably will have some time and it's you know i ought to do it mark just to just to try and make make you proud at this point you know what well, i
0: mean good luck and uh hopefully you'll have some success
1: yeah um so let's move on to the the next thing that i kind of wanted to talk about this is exciting because. Gee whiz! Right after the new year, it's not going to be long. We're going to be packing our bags and heading to the airport, getting on a plane, heading to Indianapolis. It's twenty twenty three ATA show time, and you know if there's one thing we pride ourselves on here at Peterson's Hunting Market, it's gear coverage, and I think we do it about as well or, or as or better than anybody else in the industry.
0: Hey, you know, and that's our our, our goal is to provide comprehensive coverage from obviously from your bows and your crossbows to to all of your accessories and so this is a big time of the year an exciting time of the year you get to go to the ata show which is the premier showcase for everything in the archery and bow hunting world uh you literally see hundreds of new products uh, during the three days of the show get a chance to talk with the manufacturers and learn more about the, the rests and the optics and the accessories that are coming out for the coming year so it's it's really a great time and we try to cover that thoroughly not just with our deer guide and then our march equipment issue but throughout the year online the website through our social media cover and so forth things like that because you know our goal is to make sure that um if you're a bow hunter uh or an archer that you're um up to date on all the new products and how they're going to help you continue to uh, evolve and enhance your skill set and make sure that your bow rig is set up and everything is in good shape.
1: Yeah. I mean, our tagline at Peterson's Bow Hunting is the modern bow hunting authority. And we really want to be, you know, that go to source for people. And again, you know, we talked about it earlier with the podcast, whether it's here on the podcast, whether it's the print magazine that shows up in your mailbox or You pick it up on your local newsstand or it's bowhuntingmag.com or it's our facebook page or our instagram or wherever you know we want to be out there uh with timely information and a lot of that is just being on top of the latest gear you know we've already done a bunch of stuff i mean just earlier this week mark uh 10 point uh, crossbows launched their 2023 lineup and you and i had a chance to get two of their three new bows and we already have videos out there I, I I covered the flatline 460 which is their flagship bow and uh you tackled the Viper uh 430 which is a new and improved version of uh the Viper s400 and and those videos you know are already generating some nice traction and um I've got a, a video coming on the the phase four for Matthews so I mean we're already in that
0: mode yeah, absolutely some of the, Some of the manufacturers will start to release their products in November and December, and we get a chance. we will test them out, review them as you said, uh, put the videos up for ten point on the website and I will say with ten point it, it, it's uh, always exciting to get a chance to shoot those crossbows. Ten point one of the leaders when it comes to the crossbow hunting, and uh, they have a lot of innovation and technology that goes into their their products. you know they came out with the uh, AccuSlide slide a few years ago for the safe cocking, uh, and decocking of the bows. And then they came out with the nitro 505 last year, but, uh, we were excited to get to the local archery shop and, uh, test out the flatline 460 and the, the Viper 430. Uh, oh, I don't know. I guess it was about two weeks ago and the smooth shooting accurate bows. We put them through the chronograph and they were just about spot on as far as the feet per second. Uh, Mine was 426 for both a substitute 430, and yours was dead on from what I recall. So, uh and obviously we're going to do a lot more of that testing here, and uh, looking forward to what we get the chance to see at the ATA show.
1: Yeah, and uh yeah, you're right. That that flat line 460 was two shots right at 460 feet per second. That's that's ridiculously fast. And uh that ten point makes great crossbows. You know, and it's funny. I want to talk a little more about ATA. But since we're on crossbows, some people are probably interested. Some people are probably like, oh, my gosh, can't believe these guys are talking about crossbows. They roll their eyes because, uh, you know, I mean, the crossbow thing, it's not as contentious as it was right at one time. They're pretty out there now. But there's still a lot of people who it's like you're on one side or the other when it comes to crossbows. There's, you know, there's the love them or the hate them. And the middle ground is, you know, maybe not that big. But I will say this, Mark, and I want to throw it out because I think this is really interesting. And we're going to do some coverage on this in 2023. But you and I were looking at some numbers as we were putting um, our special... uh, People may not realize this. uh, Mark and I are also in charge of a special... Crossbow magazine that our company produces. So in addition to Peterson's hunting, uh, there's a product called Crossbow Revolution. It's a newsstand only publication uh, that we publish every year. And as a matter of fact, in 2023, we're expanding that to two issues. So we're going to have one issue uh, late spring, early summer, and then we'll have a second issue late summer into fall. That'll be really nice, Mark, because we can focus a lot on gear with the first issue and more on hunting season in the second issue. But where I was going with all this is, you know, I think you and I knew that crossbows and the popularity of crossbow hunting had really been steadily increasing over the last 10 to 20 years. But we were amazed when we got the hard numbers at just how far out in the majority crossbows are now in states like Pennsylvania, like wisconsin um you know ohio of course has been for a long time but in a lot of these really uh key and critical whitetail hunting states there are now far more hunters going into the field with crossbows than with vertical bows and the harvest is showing that as well as the participation and so it's kind of like you know i'm not here to tell anybody whether that's a good thing a bad thing or we should be indifferent about it. That's up to everybody to decide, you know, we have our opinions, you know, every listener is welcome to his or her opinion, um, but it's just a fact, it just is. And um, so it's kind of weird when you think about it because, you know, at Peterson's hunting, we would think, okay, the bow hunting community, you'll automatically think about a compound bow as kind of standard issue, right? Compound's your core. And then you've got a few traditional guys and you've got a bunch of crossbow guys. But actually, if we had to say who's the average bow hunter in 2023, it's probably somebody walking into the woods with a crossbow.
0: Yeah, I think that's more than a fair assessment. When you look at the the different states uh, as they've allowed crossbows, uh, maybe first in the firearm season and then in the general archery season, you've seen uh those numbers of horizontal bow hunters may be small at the start but they grow as the years go by and uh i don't remember all the statistics but i do remember one that really stands out christian and that's in 2020 which was the last year that had figures available for pennsylvania um the whitetail harvest 68 percent of those deer were taken by crossbow hunters and in in a state like pennsylvania that's a lot of deer i want to say roughly Oh, i don't know it's, it's over a hundred thousand deer taken with archery here in pennsylvania which is not a a small number and so but you see that with all the states where they have crossbow seasons that have, have been going on for for a number of years so i mean yeah i mean we obviously hunt a lot of compounds uh, but when you look at archery hunting in general across the country especially in the whitetail states you see a lot more people are, are, are starting to use uh crossbows
1: yeah and um You know, again, it is kind of, it's kind of jarring the first time you hear it. If you're, I say that, I mean, maybe not if you're a new hunter or if you've been a crossbow hunter for a long time, but I think you and I, Mark, you know, are probably fairly typical because we're kind of middle-aged, right? I think the average bow hunter, you know, across the country is kind of a middle-aged guy who, you know, came into this compound hunting and that has always been our go-to. And, you know we've both done some crossbow hunting you've done actually more than i have but but like to think about the fact that almost seven out of every 10 deer killed in the archery season here in our home state are now taken with crossbow as opposed to a vertical bow of some kind whether that be compound or traditional that's that's crazy um but it makes sense because you know one thing i've said repeatedly is a lot of the innovation in our industry over the last handful of years—I mean, I might piss off a few uh, vertical bow makers by saying this—but to me, if you if you put a gun to my head and you said, "Has there been more really interesting innovation, you know, in crossbows or, or vertical bows over the last handful of years?" I'd be like crossbows hands down i mean look at what raven has done with just the overall design of crossbows and how that's pushed the whole industry to make these super small you know maneuverable you know type models and then look what 10 point did last year with the nitro 505 and actually surpassing that mythical 500 foot per second mark, you know in in bolt speed so And again, you know, this isn't really something I'm bringing up with the idea of having a debate over it. You know, we we could have a really interesting philosophical discussion over whether, you know, all this speed and power and all these new technologies like the laser range finding scopes or, or the thermal scopes, you know, whether those are good or bad. That's a discussion for another day. But the fact of the matter is it's all out there. And let's face it, it, it's no different than selling cars. You know, you make a really fast car with a lot of power, great acceleration, and some flashy paint colors. That's going to catch people's eye and it's going to sell off the wall. You know, and it's the same thing in the archery industry. You make a, a, a bow that's faster, you know, stronger with some new features you know you mentioned the the caulking and decocking mechanisms there's a lot of shiny toys out there in the crossbow world and people are voting with their dollars right i mean people are walking into pro shops and plunking their money down on the counter and walking out the door with these things
0: yeah and i have to say the nice thing about archery hunting archery season you can approach it and tailor your hunting experience any way you'd like You can go out with a recurve if you want. You can go out with your compound. And if you say, I want to go with a crossbow, you can do that. And so, you know, you're talking about there's high-end crossbows, there's entry-level crossbows, there's a variety of compounds. That is the great thing about archery hunting. You can make your setup any way you want.
1: Yeah, and so that's part of the reason, you know, that we're going to two issues with that crossbow magazine, just because... Well, crossbows are just popular right now, you know, and uh, there's there's a demand for that. And I just want to say one more thing and then we'll move on from this topic. But, you know, for the folks who who hear this, you know, the data and the trend and you think, oh, that's terrible. It's it's uh, shouldn't be going that way. You know, more people should hunt with compounds. I would just say this um, because I don't necessarily disagree with those folks, at least at least in this to this extent. I think if you're somebody who came into bow hunting as a crossbow hunter and you've never tried a compound, I think it's at least worth trying. I think it's at least worth picking one up, and 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 playing with it in the yard. And if you're physically able, um, I think there there's some real cool nuances, you know, that separate the compound from the crossbow. You know, drawing that bowstring yourself by hand, having to do that when an animal's close, um, having to you know just execute the shot with a little bit more physical involvement between you and the bow than you would with the crossbow which has a stock and a scope so again not saying what's what's right wrong what's good bad it's just a different experience i think it's a little bit more challenging some people would say a lot more challenging so if you haven't done it you know give it a try but to the folks who just are up in arms or indignant over the fact that folks are using crossbows i would say that that as compound proponents right i'm speaking to those folks now you need to do a better job of making the case for for why the 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 compound is superior in your mind because again it all comes down to dollars and cents and what people are voting with when they walk into an archery shop so you know if if there's a real feeling amongst the bow hunting community or the archery industry that we need to get more of these crossbow folks into vertical bows then That's all well and good, you know, and I think that there's some merit to that. But we can't just sit around and and bitch and moan about it. We've got to make the case. We've got to take each one of those crossbow hunters, you know, by the hand, not by ostracizing them or denigrating them, but by putting our arms around them and saying, hey, you know, there are some other options available here uh, for the stick and string community. And you might find that you really enjoy these two and give it a shot. Give it a taste and see if you like it.
0: Absolutely. And, you know, obviously we're, we're all in the same boat together and, you know, everybody working towards a common goal. I, I think that's a great point as far as, you know, if you have somebody to hunt with a crossbow, if they're physically able. See If you can get them to try a compound, you know, you would say that, you know, crossbows are a great starter bow for introducing young people to the sport of bow hunting. But at some point, a lot of the parents then will transition their, kids to try and use compounds well same thing with an adult or, or somebody who maybe just have been a crossbow hunter so that's a great point
1: yeah so enough on crossbows but it's always an interesting topic so let's kind of circle back towards ata i because i want folks to know you know the 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 trade show this year i believe it's the 11th 12th and 13th of january out in indianapolis i think you and i are flying out on the 10th and Mark and I are going to be on the show floor all day, all three days. We've got a pile of appointments lined up with various manufacturers, and we're going to have a video crew with us, and we're going to be filming product segments every day. We'll probably be, or we'll definitely be posting all those on bowhuntingmag.com. And we're also going to be dropping uh, several new product articles every day online. So, digital editor uh drew pellman is going to be there with us Drew, and drew is going to be you know getting all that stuff organized so we're going to have pretty much wall-to-wall coverage throughout the show and we want to be you know your go-to place there while the show is going on if there's something you know significant happening at ata mark and i are going to do our best you know to be all over that
0: yeah and, and and um you know, we're also going to do some podcast episodes out of that to try and extend that new gear coverage throughout the spring probably well into the summer and uh, you know as we put together we doing the print version of the ata guide i don't know i'm guessing there's 300 products in that and then we're literally going to see dozens upon dozens more when we get on the show floor because some of the manufacturers keep those products under wraps until they get to the ata show i i will tell you now this is my third year of doing of doing this. And I'm amazed at how many new products come out every year in the bow hunting and archery world. It, the first time I was astounded, but even today I'm still amazed how many new products come out. And that's whether you're talking about, you know, broadheads and arrows and, you know, or, or bows and crossbows. So, uh, but we'll do our best to cover as much of it as we can throughout the year.
1: Yeah. And, you know, there's always something as much as we try, because you and I work you know, really hard, honestly, from, you know, from October right up until the show to try to gather as much new product information as we can before we even get there. But it never fails. There's always a handful of things that surprise you or catch you off guard at the show. And there's always a few products that you didn't see coming that kind of come out of left field and create some buzz, you know, at AT ATX
0: yeah absolutely I mean it did that and that's uh one of the the great aspects of the show and uh you know there's a couple of products that have really caught my attention over the years and uh uh won't get into a lot of details, but uh that twin strike that came off from Excalibur crossbow a couple of years ago. never in my life could I have envisioned a two shot crossbow that's just the first thing that popped in my mind, but I'm always excited to go down the aisles and see all these products that that come out um you know, what's great is not only you have the big manufacturers there, but you also have like the little old mom and pop people who are trying to make it in the archery world. They have some really innovative products
1: uh i've been smiling ever since you said the twin strike do you remember some of the memes people put together when that twin strike first came out they're talking about controversy there was a bunch of people up in arms about that for for those of you who don't know what we're talking about that twin strike from excalibur it's a two-shot crossbow it's got two sets of limbs two strings two triggers it's basically like you got a shot and a follow-up shot, so you don't have to recock the bow and load another bolt. And uh, oh yeah, people had uh, people had some fun uh, with that one, Mark. That was good for. I mean, it's a seriously uh, interesting crossbow, but people had some fun at it ex- at its expense.
0: Yeah, and uh, I'm assuming that um, it did very well for Excalibur because I think the next year they came out with a tactical version.
1: Well, again, it's, it's like I say, it's, um, you know, we could have, you know, we ought to, you know, some really good, you know, philosophical discussions about, you know, is there a limit on how much technology we want to bring, how many advantages we want to bring. And I think there is, you know, for each one of us, you know, of course, there's the law and the regulations book, which is sort of like the baseline for every one of us. And then beyond that, you know, we all get to choose. Like you said, a cool thing about not just bow hunting, you talked about archery season specifically, but to me, it's all hunting. You know, whether you're a a bow hunter, a rifle hunter, an upland bird hunter, uh, a waterfowler, you know, everybody gets to go at it their own way, you know, within the parameters of the rules and regulations. And and you can take uh, and limit yourself and choose to forego you know, a variety of things that are at your disposal, just because that's what you prefer. And if, and, and I'm all for that, for everybody doing it, you know, how they enjoy it the most. And, and so it's in that way, you know, we talk we talk about hunting as a sport and it is in some ways, but it's not a sport like basketball or football, right? I mean, if we're playing basketball or football with other people, we all, when we step onto the court or the field, we all have to play by the same rules. You know what I mean? Or it doesn't work. But it's not that way in hunting. You know, you can go out there with a crossbow, with a Garmin laser scope and and put that on your twin strike and have have two shots ready to go. And you can practice a lot on the range and say, hey, I'm good out to 80 yards and I've got a a laser range finding scope and I'll be super precise with my aim point. And I've got a follow up shot if I need it. And that's what I'm going to do. And I might go out with my recurve and say, hey, I'm shooting cedar shaft arrows and, and you know, a single bevel broadhead. And I'm not very accurate outside 22 yards. And if I can't get a deer to come inside 22 yards, I'm not even going to take the bow off them. You know what I mean? And and we both get to do that.
0: Yeah, and absolutely. So I have a question for you. You've been going, I'm guessing this is your 14th or 15th ATA show. Is there a product that stands out to you that when you saw it, you were just blown away by it, that you thought it was that innovative? Or I don't want to use the word unique because that's an overused word. But like, was there something that when you saw this product, you were really surprised and they ended up delivering the goods, shall we say?
1: Yeah, I'm going to tell you about a product that I saw for the first time at ATA. And I was like, man, that is really cool. You talked about some of the smaller companies, you know, the mom and pops, the dreamers and doers, the innovators, the entrepreneurs. And um, I ran into an outfit a few years back and they've since refined it. And the product as it currently exists, honestly, I think is useful in just about every bow hunter's pack. And it's Cirrus Outdoors. Cirrus makes this product It's a wind checker and they use these smoke cartridges like they're like vape cartridges and you push the button and it emits the vapor like from a vape, but it comes out. It's so light. It literally will move on the slightest air movement and it's got a rechargeable battery and you charge it up with a USB cord and that battery lasts like forever. It don't. It doesn't take much power to just power the vape deal. And, and so just as a wind checker alone, that is awesome. But what they also have incorporated into the product is a Wi-Fi card reader. There's an SD card slot on the device. So when I'm walking to my stand, Not only can I use that thing to check the wind as I'm heading to my stand, but if I have a camera near my stand, I'll typically swap cards on my camera and then climb up into my stand. And while I'm sitting in my stand waiting for deer, I can put that SD card into the the device and connect to my phone and I can view all the images on the card off of that card reader and there's also a built-in red and white led flashlight in that thing too mark so it's got it's it's a it's a flashlight a wind checker and a wireless card reader all in one i don't know uh, what they cost offhand, but they're not a lot of money. I mean, it's not a big expenditure by any means. And it's a compact unit. I mean, I'm just saying it's about three and a half inches tall, about an inch and a half wide. And like I say, it's got a built-in uh rechargeable battery. And you just charge it up with the with the cable, whenever you need it, but but it lasts a long time. I mean, I only charge it two or three times a year, and it just stays in my pack all the time because those are things. Think about things that you always need when you're bow hunting. You always need a light, right? I mean, you don't ever want to go into the woods without some kind of a light in your backpack. You always need a wind checker because there's nothing more important in bow hunting than the wind. And that wireless card reader is super handy for just about any whitetail guy. I mean, I know a lot of us are running cellular cameras nowadays, and and I'm among them. But still, not all my cameras are cellular, you know. And sometimes you still got to read an SD card. And if you don't have you know, a plug-in reader, you know, it's just handy. I'll tell you when I use it a lot too, like I use it when I go on my outfitted hunts because outfitters have cameras near the stands and it's really cool when you get dropped off in the dark and you're hunting an unfamiliar area, it's really neat just to be able to like pop that card out and then take it into the stand and you can see what was there like the night before or the morning before and then you can just put that card back in the camera when you head back out for the afternoon hunt or whatever so it's handy so and just a little plug you know my invoice is in the mail for the guys at Zeros, but that was a product that i discovered at ata and i was so impressed we did a little facebook video uh right then and there and i followed up with those guys and we had covered them in the magazine but uh yeah you never know what you're going to find at the ata yeah and
0: that's what makes it such an exciting experience and uh uh, again, that's going to be coming up in just a couple weeks.
1: Yeah, and so, so then right after the show, because we'll be there mid January, first week of February, uh, we're we'll be you know putting the finishing touches on our annual equipment issue, and that'll be out early February. So everything you know that you're going to need for 2023, all the new bows, crossbows, broadheads, arrows, fletching jigs, camouflage, new camo. Uh, patterns or new camo clothing, boots, uh, field dressing stuff, knives, range finders, sights, rests, uh, trail cameras, you name it, man, that equipment issue is jam-packed.
0: Yeah, absolutely. Um, You know, it's, like I said earlier, it's an impressive array of new products that come out uh, each and every year. Uh, And, you know, as the technologies advance and I think one of the things that's probably worth mentioning you know, is as the bow manufacturers are working with the accessory manufacturers, you're starting to see this integration of stabilizers and sights and rests and everything to work seamlessly with the bows. And so uh, now you're starting to see a lot of the bow manufacturers coming out with their own cases and stuff designed specifically for their bows and their crossbows. It's just, I, I tell you what, even though we work in the industry, it is still impressive how many new pieces of gear and equipment come out each and every year.
1: Oh, yeah. And I mean, we don't even have time to get into it now, but I dedicated my my editor's column and the equipment issue to that. You know, one of the big trends that we're seeing in the industry right now is this uh, integration. You know, we saw it kind of start with QAD when they partnered up with Matthews to introduce that first integrate rest. And um, of course, the integrate rest system is now used by a bunch of bow makers and a bunch of rest makers. Um, We saw Matthews develop the bridge lock technology for the site mounting last year, and now they've expanded it to stabilizers. Um, Prime partnered up with Hamsky this year to develop a special rest for their bow. Uh, They partnered with Tight Spot to develop a special mounting system for for the quiver. You're seeing this uh, where, you know, it's it's not just the individual components anymore, but it's the way that they all come together to make a comprehensive shooting system. And I used an analogy in my column of, you know, a sports team where you get a bunch of really talented athletes and, you know, each one of those people individually is impressive. But when you put them all together, you know, and you get some practice and a plan and, and and then precision execution, it's really a whole that's far more than the sum of the parts.
0: Yeah, absolutely. And, and having everything work seamlessly together, uh, really gonna benefit the field.
1: So yeah, so there's some exciting things coming for product for 2023, and there's definitely gonna be opportunities. You know, it's funny. Uh, years ago, uh, a guy named Patrick Mateen was uh, one of our field editors, and Patrick's still in the industry doing other things. But he used to use a, a term in, in his articles when he wrote about uh, various new products, and he talked about buying accuracy. And, and you know, and the point was that if you, you know, if you had some money and you could afford, you know, some of the better made. Uh, feature-rich products on the market, it was going to help you to shoot better. And uh, it doesn't mean that your shooting form doesn't matter. It doesn't mean that you don't need to practice, but there's definitely something to be said for that, you know, and there's going to be a chance for folks in 2023 to buy some accuracy you will, You have nothing to add to that? You're already as accurate as you want to be, Mark?
0: <laughs> no, I i mean i i I think we 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 covered the 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 fact that everybody's working together and things like that but i I think people are going to be impressed with with some of these products that are coming out this year um not to get into a lot of detail but uh matthews is another one that comes to mind with what they're doing and things like that so uh where they're integrating all the different uh bridgewalk pieces into their uh bows to make a, a seamless system and so um you know, I think if you're in the market for a new bow, you want to look at those complete packages. And there's certainly several options in 2023.
1: Yeah. So I guess the last thing I want to do here as we wrap up our end of year spectacular, as I'm calling it, I don't know how spectacular it is, but I definitely think it was wide ranging. We we're a little bit all over the place, like a couple of drunks driving down the highway. So there's that. <laughs> So, so hopefully, hopefully the entertainment value was good. You know, if somebody was relying on this to get them through their commute, hopefully we've, we've thrown enough darts at the wall to hit on something that
0: interested them. It's a wide array of disarray, I guess, huh?
1: I like that. That could be our new slogan. The bow hunting podcast, a wide array of disarray. The only thing predictable is it's unpredictable. Um, you. No, I wanted to talk about a uh, couple things that we have on tap, talked about the second issue of crossbow revolution and crossbows being a hot trend in the archery industry. Tell you there's another hot trend in the archery industry that's been going for a handful of years and that's saddle hunting. Now what, what's interesting is we ought to come up with, with an article about crossbow hunting from a saddle. <laughs> But, uh, you know, yeah, I'm sure there are people doing it. But at any rate, that's going to happen one day. Yeah. So saddle hunting, though, in all seriousness, is is still red hot. Lots of cool new, you know, we've got a couple new saddles and saddle platforms and climbing sticks and things in the equipment issue. Um, We're going to be publishing a special saddle hunting magazine in 2023, too. That's kind of exciting and a new a new deal. And, uh, I think that's going to go over big with all the kitties.
0: Absolutely. That's it's, it continues to explode and hunting the saddle and anything that has to do with making you a more mobile bow hunter, allowing you to get into, um, spots you wouldn't normally be able to get into with, uh, lighter equipment and things like that. And so, you know, I, I think that really expands the opportunity for bow hunters and, you know if you would have said to me a couple of years ago that saddle hunting would become as popular as it now i you know i would have shaken my head but it is amazing and now not only do you have your your companies like Tether and making their their product line but you have other companies are getting in and making uh some of the tree stand manufacturers making mobile mobile hunter specific products and things like that you just continue to see more and more products come out in that realm
1: yeah and i mean it's right up you know, I think I think one of the reasons that it's gotten so big is it dovetails so nicely with public land hunting. And that's a big, you know, that's kind of become a real uh you know, sexy thing in, in, in the bow hunting community. And those guys, of course, like to move around a lot. Uh they like to be uh stealthy, they like to be light, and then saddles allow you to do that. But um I've I've been impressed, I've actually I was one of those guys who thought it was stupid and I was never going to get in one of those saddles. And uh, unfortunately, I, I didn't have the luxury of of doing that because of what we do for a living. But I, I shouldn't maybe say unfortunately, I should probably say fortunately, because I kind of had to give saddles a try uh, because we've got to cover them. And so over the last three seasons, I've actually become pretty big saddle hunter I hunted far far more out of saddles the last two falls than I have out of stands and and I love them and uh, it's actually way easier to get in and out of new trees in my opinion I'd rather set up uh, sat up I'd rather set up a new saddle tree than than hang a hang on stand and I actually feel a lot safer um you know a, a stand once it's all set especially if you put a lifeline up when you do it, is great. You know, there's no concerns. But but until you have it set for the first time and, and you have your lifeline on the tree, there's some risk there. Man, with the saddle, I'm, I'm never disconnected from that tree, and I always feel super secure. I actually found myself going into uh, hang-ons a couple times uh, on outfitted hunts this past fall, and as I was climbing up there, I was like, ooh, this is a little squirrely compared to being in my saddle. So, you know, I know a lot of people who don't hunt on a saddle or so haven't tried it, they think it's going to be squirrely in the saddle. But actually, it not only is it not squirrely, you're super, you're super secure the whole time. And it's also way more comfortable than people think it's going to be. So um, you know, I'm not a I'm not one of those guys who's like, hey, if it ain't a saddle, it sucks you know, like a purist. But I just think the saddle is a tool that if you're a serious deer hunter, you probably ought to own at least one tree saddle. I've got like three of them now. And I've gotten like several new sets of climbing sticks and several new platforms. And I even, you know, have some of the fancy climbing gear. And gosh, I mean, that's like, I never thought I would be one of these saddle geeks, but I kind of am now, Mark.
0: Yeah. And, and, like, like you said, you know, it's, it's, you try it, even if you're, you're originally not interested in it, it's really a great opportunity to uh, open up new doors for getting into the backcountry or getting into spots, even on the property, been, maybe normally get up in the tree and things like that. What's the one thing that you found when you started saddle hunting that uh, surprised you that maybe you didn't even realize as far as saddle hunting opportunities or anything that, uh, any doors that opened up or? Any opportunities that you're like, oh, wow, I never even thought of this?
1: Simplifying the scouting process. You know, pre-saddle, if I would walk uh, in the summertime, right? You oh. scout a scout a property and you identify uh, some trees that you want to hunt in the fall. Then you'd have to go back with like a hang on uh, in advance of the season and get that all set up now um i just walk and i just mark some trees or drop some pins you know on onyx or whatever and i don't do anything i don't go back until i want to hunt i just go in with a set of climbing sticks in my saddle and you know when you when you start doing that and you start killing deer well that's the best selling point you know for the saddle of all when if you're like it really keeps the deer off guard you know being able to move even if it's just a little move of 50 yards you know within a given area or being able to make that quick adjustment that is the biggest thing to me it is the it's the simplicity of it and the versatility of it it really helps me I feel like I keep the element of surprise in my favor more now with the saddle than I ever did before with fixed stands and you know the problem with stands is even if you have eight of them out there. No, you're still kind of locked into the same eight spots. You know what I mean? Whereas with the saddle, it's literally, um, you know, it's like the accessory manufacturers advertise, you know, when they talk about like, like sight, it's infinite adjustability. And I always laugh at that because I'm like, well, no, it's not infinite. You can't move it 27 feet, man. You know, but like with a saddle, it really is infinite, adjusted. I mean, it's well, it's not infinite, but it's limited by only the number of trees that are on the property. Because you could just about get in any one of them, you know. And there's a lot to be said for that. That's great. Yeah. So, um, so let's close. Let's let's tease one hunt too, because I'm excited about this. Oh, by the way, uh, the boss—that's my wife. She said yeah. those date those dates in June would work. So. Uh-huh. So so Mark uh, Mark my main man my main my good buddy my good pal Mr. demko he've been working on setting us up with a Manitoba bear hunt for June. So I'm excited about that 23 could be a fun a fun spring up there in the north country with you and me.
0: Yeah, a very exciting opportunity that uh came together uh we're pretty far north it's about 8 or 9 hours north of Winnipeg. So we're going to be up there starts till about 11:30 at night but by the time we go up there in June.
1: Yeah, so I or think... Light,
0: guy, light till about 11.30.
1: Yeah, the outfitter said we're going to be, it's going to be long hunting days. I don't know what time we go out, but good grief, it's going to be, it's going to be two o'clock in the morning before we have dinner.
0: Yeah, and I bet you get light at like 3.30 in the morning. Thanks for that.
1: <laughs> yeah. But anyway, so that's cool too. So we got, hey, we got stuff to look forward to. And uh, you know what? As long as everyone has something to look forward to, in 2023 then that's what makes it all worthwhile so i don't know mr demko i I, am gonna i'm gonna let you uh have first crack at this by offer offer your special holiday greetings to all of our to all of our uh uh, listeners and, and viewers
0: well you know absolutely happy holiday season to everybody um happy new year spend time with family and friends and as you're getting ready for the hunting seasons next year, make sure you make it a priority to get out in the field with family and friends. There's so many opportunities to bow hunt throughout the year. You know everybody gets excited for the primarily for the deer season. and things. You can start with turkey hunting and bear hunting in the, in the spring. You could do something right through the entire year. But most importantly, we all have limited time. Make sure you enjoy it as much as you can, both at home and outdoors. Absolutely.
1: So. Mark, this was a first for us. I think we we focus on trying to get interesting guests each week. And uh, I think it's the first time you and I just kind of got on here and riffed. seemed like an appropriate time as we closed out the year. And uh, like you said, I just want to wish you uh, a very Merry Christmas. All the uh, folks who are listening, a very Merry Christmas. Happy Hanukkah a healthy, prosperous new year, and we will see everybody in 2023.
0: Thanks for downloading the Peterson's Bowhunting Podcast. All bowhunting, all the time. Pick up the latest issue of Peterson's Bowhunting Magazine on your local newsstand, or connect with us online at bowhuntingmag.com.